podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. We're blessed to have this week Mary Wilson join us, and she shares about her experience of going from being fully sighted to identifying as blind. She shares about the challenges of that, but also about where she's found God in it all. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Whenever we say hi, everyone, I'm like, are we saying hi to the listeners or to ourselves? I always forget. Anyways, <laughs> this is true. And there's definitely like an awkward pause almost every time we're like, okay, who's going to say hello first? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We should in general like... Uh, see we if, should script it yeah no, that's joking. right that's right no. you have to say yeah <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you're watching on youtube you will have noticed that it's nicole and i today and then our guest mary who we're so excited to have hi mary hi <laughs> and nicole is just in uh texas so nicole do no. you want to give your little intro i'm so, in nashville. sorry sorry not texas i'm this in nashville is, i'm thinking about rachel okay yes Ta- yes why don't you introduce yourself nicole just sure, in case anybody's yeah. new for sure. So I'm Nicole Richard. I am a music therapy professor at Belmont University in Nashville. Um, and then I'm also finishing up my PhD at the University of Toronto. So I'm kind of straddling both the teaching and student worlds right now. Um, but yeah, I'm Canadian, but moved here just about six months ago. Nice. Um, yeah. Sweet. I, I love the fact that you were like, when I said Texas, you were like, no. <laughs> like, anybody listening from Nothing Texas? Nothing against be like, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> no, Texas, I'm sure is fine. Yeah, I've been there awesome. once. It was warm. So I liked it. But you know. true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, if you're watching or listening, you probably have noticed that the voice slash the face of uh, Rachel D'Souza is not with us today. She is right. in Texas currently. So that's, that's why right. Texas is in my brain. So she um she's from canada and is going back to canada tomorrow but has been down in texas for her sister's wedding and which was lovely so that was great so she sends her greetings to everybody and i'm erin kinsella i am a consecrated virgin from the archdiocese of toronto but currently living in ottawa and i am writing a book on suffering right now and knitting and that's pretty <laughs> much it. And petting the cat who is on the bed behind me, uh, just lounging there. Yeah. So she's very, she just likes to, she's very annoying, but also very cute at the same time, which is fortunate for her. So yeah. So that's me. Um, and do you want to, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, Mary? Who are you? Where are you? <laughs> Sure. So my name is Mary Wilson, and I'm originally from California. um, And right now I reside in Alexandria, Virginia, just Mm. outside Washington. But I've been hunkering down in a place called Lewis, Delaware, um, due to the Omicron variant. And so Mm. it's been if I have to self isolate, this is a really great place to do it. Okay. Mm. And um, I'm an analyst by trade, but right now I'm taking a, a break from a nine to five job because I'm planning to through hike the Appalachian Trail next year with my guide dog. So we're, we're using this, awesome. this time to get really in shape and get That's fit. That's so, so cool. We'll be ready. That is so cool. That's really cool. 
Cool yeah. or crazy? Yeah. I don't know. Which. <laughs> I mean, both. <laughs> goes know? together, right? Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think sometimes those things are very intertwined. Cool and crazy are very similar. Okay, so this is the this is a good question then because um, I had the, uh, like, I've had a few friends who've done um, the, um, oh, shoot, the word just escaped me. You know, the big long walking thing in Europe? Oh, the Camino? The Camino. Camino. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've had a few friends that have done that before. And they have such cool stories of it and beautiful pictures. And there's a girl named um, Amanda Walsh from, uh, she's in Ottawa now, but she did it and she did like a, uh, posted her thing on Instagram with all these things. And okay, so to me, this sounds like a nightmare like <laughs> the whole thing sounds like the worst i mean partly because my joints are not like would not appreciate it but also because i'm like i don't know sleeping in a different place every night and getting up super early and going and all that anyways it just sounds like a nightmare so it's funny you say that though, because yeah. I want to do that in 2024. And I'm telling myself that after the AT, that'll be all luxurious because yeah. I yeah. won't have to be like carrying my food and sleeping right. in the tent every oh, night. Yes. And there'll be flush toilets. So uh, yeah. I'm like, if I can get through the AT in 2023, yep. then 2024 would be, you know, luxurious. By That's that right. Standard. Yeah, exactly. Camino, no problem. Which I find <laughs> it so funny because I haven't found anybody who's like, w like waffly on the Camino. Like I find some people are either like, yes, I would love to do that. Or they're like, this sounds like the worst thing of my life, you know? So, so you're like pro Camino, Mary, yes. you would like do it. Very, very pro. Nice. Mm. Okay. What about you, Nicole? Are you like, I, you know what? I think I might be your first Camino waffler yeah. because I, I used to, it used to be a thing where I'm like, I definitely want to do this someday. It sounds so cool. But now when I think about it, I don't, maybe it's just because this stage in my life, I'm just kind of busy and already maxed out. And I'm just like, yeah, I no, like, it just feels like, <laughs> I just like, I can't, <laughs> but, oh, um, but then, but even saying that I'm like, but it's still, I don't know. It just still sounds cool. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Maybe if I win the lottery someday, I'll <laughs> rent a helicopter and I'll get it to bring me to like the last like 500 meters be or like <laughs> before the closing church, you know, and then I can pretend that I've walked the whole thing, but yeah, I, it's like, it's a little bit like cilantro though. People tend to have Love it or hate it. Definitely. Right. More love it or mm. hate it things. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So let's see then. I'm I'm a no for cilantro. Mary? I'm a very big yes. I okay. love it. Okay. Me too. And I'm Nicole, also. You are a big yes. I love okay. it. If I put cilantro on anything, it's usually like, why have I never done this before? This is now the most amazing taste <laughs> in the world. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's good. That's good to know, you know? These are important <laughs> questions, I think, for supporting friendship. Because Cilantro and Camino. Me, that's right. If I visit you in in the summertime like if i come down for a road trip and if you feed me cilantro Initial. it's over yeah <laughs> well it depends if i'm like maybe if you just like stay too long or something and i'm like yeah okay, how can i like subtly <laughs> signal that it's time to leave i'll just start cooking everything with cilantro that's right and then i'll get the hint and i'll go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay okay well this is good i'm just like making mental notes of all of these things for future <laughs> so on a completely different note from those things um today we're talking about so the day that this airs is january 31st which is oh gosh i'm gonna mess up the actual title for it but it january was the month of braille what was it mary um braille literacy Aw Aw awareness month 
That's the word I was looking at. The literacy, I was like, oh, I'm going to mess that up. Braille Literacy Awareness Month, which is really cool. So January 31st is the last day of January. So it just so happened that we um, got an email from someone named Aisling who works with an organization that supports people who who are um, have limitations in their vision or identify as blind. And so she, do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about that organization, Mary? Sure. So that's like Xavier Society for the Blind. Mm -hmm. And they are absolutely phenomenal. They provide um, large print audio and braille materials to Catholics all around the world. And for me, um, they've been really instrumental because, you know, I started out fully sighted and there, I had no problem at all accessing, you know, the Bible or anything else that I wanted to read. And then as I became low vision, you know, suddenly you walk into church and you can't read the missile. Mm. Um, and, you know, you even if you get a quote unquote large print Bible, the font in those is typically very small. And so they actually sent me what I call true large print, um, uh, it, the Bible in very many volumes because, um, you know, it takes a lot more space. Mm. And then as my vision changed, they actually were able to send me a hard copy Braille Bible. Mm. And that's not for everybody because it's so many volumes. It takes up like more than a, a bookshelf. So we're talking. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, we're talking big. But, for, um, but, you know, they also do a great job providing um, electronic braille materials. Mm. So like a lot of um, folks, like for me, my preferred way to read is on what's called a refreshable braille display. And okay. I actually have one to show you guys. Oh, cool. So mm. this, this is a big one. This, this has 40 lines of braille and you can type on it and then you can read. Mm. Oh. Um, and then I have a smaller one that I use for when I'm out and about. Um, with my cell phone. This has um, just 14 cells, but it's very mm. compact and, you know, can fit in my purse. And so the beauty of this is that you can have um, all different types of books on here and read it this way without having to devote your whole house to a Braille <laughs> library. Mm, that's right. Um, and then they also send out for, for folks that like it, you can get this in um, electronic Braille or hard copy, but they send out um, the mass mm. proffers. And that enables everybody um, to follow along at Sunday Mass. And for folks who would like to lecture, they're able to, um, you know, it's very compact, so they're able to bring it with them and, mm. and be a lector at church. And so I think um, the gift that the Xavier Society gives to um, blind and Lotion Catholics is mm. the gift of inclusion yeah. because it's so easy to feel excluded. And I know I have um, friends that are, are Christian, but not Catholic. And mm -hmm. they'll often talk to me about how excluded they feel. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, check out Xavier Society because, you know, their materials are for everybody who's interested. Yeah. And I think sometimes people are like afraid, um, you know, and it's like, look, like they've got such a wonderful library. Um, yeah you know, check it out. And yeah. so mm -hmm. I, I think it's great that they really meet their clients where they are. Mm -hmm. So for some people that aren't so tech savvy, they're able to get things in hard copy through the mail mm. or through a, a digital um, cassette where you can play it in a digital book reader. Yeah. Because not everybody is is tech savvy and not everybody can afford the fancy electronics. So right. I, I just love that they, they bring inclusion for those who are blind or low vision. 
Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. That's so Even with the tech savvy thing, I'm like, I can hear my dad in our house. If he doesn't say at least once a day, this damn technology, what? Come on. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a big learning curve. Um, right. And these d- devices are extremely expensive. You know, they're beyond the reach of a lot of blind uh, folks. And so yeah. I, it's, it's just such a gift that they give to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's really great. We're going to come like, man, there's so many things even from that that I want to ask you, but I'm going to like, okay, let's set them aside for a minute because I'd love to hear um, like before we dig into that a little bit of, of your own story from um, sure. from what you experienced in vision loss and, and coming to identify as blind. Sure. So I grew up fully sighted. Um, I, I was a preemie, so I was born three months premature. So I, I was always very nearsighted. But with contact lenses, I, I was um, fully correctable. So I drove a car, um, you know, did everything that you do as a sighted person. And mm-hmm. I went through college and grad school as a sighted person, started um, my career path as a sighted young professional. So I drove to work and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then in my early 30s, I started to have um, eye problems and I developed cataracts that progressed very quickly, which can sometimes happen with preemies. And I made the decision to have cataract surgery when my vision had declined to where I was um, able to drive in the daytime only, Mm. but I was right at that border. So if it got any worse, I wouldn't be able to drive. And for me, I thought if I'm able to do this and keep the ability to drive, Mm. it will, I'll know it will be worth it even if something goes wrong. So I did the surgery one eye at a time um, and I had great vision, except I could no longer read print, like Mm. fine print. And so at that point, I started to need um, screen magnification and large print. Um, And then like a clock, um, four months after the surgery, the retina detached in my right eye. And I, I did notice that I was walking down the hallway at work and I saw something black. And as I stepped forward, the black blob stepped forward with me. Mm. And I, I knew that was a sign of retinal detachment. So I immediately went to my retina specialist. He took a look and said, it is a detachment. And so I had surgery for that the next day mm. and they put a, a gas bubble in my eye and I had to lay face down for about 12 days. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, and then, um, it, but you're not able to see anything at all while that gas is um, in your eye. Mm. And then at a follow-up appointment, I said, please just check my left eye for peace of mind because that's my better seeing eye. And mm. since I'm here, um, and so they checked and they're like, Ms. Wilson, you're not going to believe it, but that retina is detaching. Oh my gosh. I, I couldn't believe it because like who has... T- yeah. bilateral retinal detachment within th- three weeks at such a young age, like yeah. no one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I found myself having surgery, um, two days after that. And then when I woke up, um, because I now had a gas bubble in each eye, I had mm-hmm. zero vision. Mm-hmm. So it was a big shock to go from what I call the vision light mm-hmm. to suddenly not having any vision. Mm-hmm. And I, um, Fortunately, I recovered from that surgery. Both both were very successful. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kept some vision, but where they do the surgery and the lasering, you, you lose that part, but mm-hmm. it's necessary to save the rest. 
But um, I, it turns out like um, 10% of the US population, I'm what they call a steroid responder. Mm. So I was on steroid eye drops to help recover from the surgery, but that raised my eye pressure and led to secondary glaucoma. Okay. And um, so secondary glaucoma, it's when something triggered the glaucoma rather than necessarily having a genetic disposition. Right. And so, but I, we didn't know that um, right away. And so I lost more vision um, due to that. Mm. So I, it's sort of a, um, a unique situation in that I grew up fully sighted. I, I was very mildly low vision and then suddenly had a big change where for a while I had no vision and then I did recover some. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to be at all places on that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and these days I identify as blind, even though I have some residual vision and I, I joke, it's enough to get me in trouble. So if, if I'm, if I'm walking around and I'm not using a white cane or not using my guide dog, like I'll see a doorway and yeah. I'll like cruise toward through thinking I'm going to go through the doorway and I'll hit the door jam on the right. Um, mm, gotcha. and no matter how many times I do this, I, I never learn that lesson. Um, so I'm, you know, it's, it, I'm very fortunate to have some residual vision, but I don't rely on it because that's just, it's not safe. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, these days for reading, while I'll still use large print um, on a very limited basis, it's so contingent on the right lighting, the right color scheme. And so these days I really prefer Braille for a lot of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I navigate now with a, a guide dog full time. Yeah. And that was another big change to go from someone that, you know, that drove to then started to need a, a white cane at nighttime. Um, and things like that. And then after the retinal surgeries, realizing I needed the white cane full time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the white cane, it's a wonderful tool. It helps you find obstacles, but I don't want to necessarily find them. I want to go around them. And mm-hmm. that's what led me. Um, that was one reason I, I chose to go the guide dog route. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how long have you had the guide dog for now? So my current guide dog, Thor, I got him in April. And, um, you know, this is an example of the ways God works. I I had a a previous guide dog named Frank and Frank and I were literally inseparable for seven and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then um, he started to get some health problems and I knew that he would have a wonderful, happy retirement as a retired guide, but Mm -hmm. that it was time um, to think about what we call a successor dog. Okay. And so I applied this um, guide dogs for the blind. They're this wonderful nonprofit that provides guide dogs to people who are blind or um, visually impaired free of charge. And Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, I knew the waiting list was really long. So, you know, they had encouraged me to apply knowing that we'd still have some time. But then in April, they called me up. uh, It's actually end of March. They called me up and said, oh, you know, we want to just make sure um, your, your needs for what you're looking for in a next dog haven't changed, blah, 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 blah. And lo and behold, they had had a dog for me. Oh, so yeah. So they, um, flew Thor out to me. And then I had, um, known that the best thing for Frank was to retire with the family that raised him 
so he could be back on the West Coast mm. because he got a lot of allergies um, on the East Coast, just like humans. Mm. The longer you live oh, there, yeah. it's like the more allergic you become. So mm-hmm. they're so wonderful. So they brought Thor to me. Um, they flew Frank back to the West Coast. And then they had an instructor provide me in-home training. Wow. And that way I didn't have to... Um, worry about like flying across the country and being in a class with other people mm. because I, I am immune compromised and mm-hmm. I can get into that later. But, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I think God has a big sense of humor because first I, you know, became blind and then later I, I got severe asthma and the treatment for that caused diabetes. Mm. And so I just have to laugh like, um, <laughs> you know, either I didn't get the message the first time <laughs> or you, you've, and you're still trying to teach me or, or you're, you've got a big sense of humor, but, yeah. um, but yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm very grateful for that organization and, um, yeah. Training me with my, my wonderful dog Thor. Yeah, totally. Honestly, I, it's last week, actually, I was with, um, my sister and my little nephew who's like two and my other nephew who's five at the Rideau Center in downtown Ottawa. It's like big mall. They were in Lush and looking at some soap bars and whatever. And then there was a woman there with a guide dog. And so I got to explain to my nephew because he was talking about like the puppy and the little one doesn't understand it all. But the, I mean, the bigger guy was like, okay, so here's an opportunity to explain, which I, I was thinking about after and especially when I knew you were going to be coming on the podcast and I'm like, I think there's just so much like even when I was at mass last time, I was thinking, okay, what would it be like if all of a sudden one of my senses was was gone, you know, or I I couldn't walk through the, you know, through the church or or whatever. Um, So I wonder, like, for you, what that's been kind of like, especially as going from somebody who is fully sighted um, to now identifying as blind, like both in the, like, what, is, what does that look like for you? Or what have, what have you found kind of most surprising or most difficult, both in the physical world realm, getting around and just kind of the secular world, and then also in terms of the, the faith aspect? Sure. So um, I'll, I'll start with, um, I'll start with the faith aspect first, if that's okay. Yeah. It's um, one of the things, and it sounds so silly to, to say this to people now, but for the longest time, I wouldn't go to communion. Because I, I was going to mass by myself. And, you know, it's easy to, when it's time, you hear everybody stand up and then you go and you get in line and you try to follow them. But right. then to, um, and then you sort of follow back. But then to find the pew that's your pew mm-hmm. so that you're not going down the wrong one um, is a, a, a big challenge. So for the longest time, I, I wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I realized I have to get over this. And so um, often what I'll do is I'll take the scenic route and I'll go, um, I'll leave something of mine on the end of the pew and then we'll um, follow the line, go all the way behind the pews and then come back toward it. Mm. And that can be something my, my guide dog can know. That's our spot. Um, okay. You know, even, even if I leave his like treat pouch there. Mm, so he, right. he knows, um, and, and often I'll, I'll go to mass with my boyfriend and he'll wait in the pew and then look for me and then be mm. like over here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it a, a lot, um, easier in that regard. But in the beginning, it's very intimidating, yeah. you know, and especially because churches are often dimly lit. 
And mm-hmm. if you go to one that's a little bit, um, you know, historic, like what we might see in New York, compared to a, a more modern building, you know, it might have um, steps that are uneven or tile that's a little mm-hmm. uneven. So for me, I had to just get over it and be yeah. like, I've got to get out my comfort zone. Everybody here can see that I'm blind because I've got either my guide dog or a white cane. Nobody's going to um, think I'm right. hitting on them if I scoot in next to them <laughs> and I'm in the wrong view. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then mm. the, phys- the physical world, um, you know, having a guide dog has taken a lot of that stress off me. In the beginning, it's like mental gymnastics because everywhere you go, you have to be listening for audio cues or, you know, if you're going to find the coffee shop, you know generally where it is, but then you're paying attention for the smell or maybe mm. if they play music, you're, you're listening for that music. And then just learning to cross the street um, using non-visual techniques for me was very scary. And... Mm. Um, and then even going off for guide dog training, I had never had a pet dog growing up. And so it was really intimidating. But having a guide dog has really helped with the um, physical navigation of getting out in the world. Mm. But we um, still face a lot of discrimination from places like Lyft and Uber. Mm-hmm. Because even though they're required to transport service dogs, they'll often pull up and see you and then just drive off. Really? Well, yeah. Or sometimes if you're blind, um, like they'll say, oh, the, the, you were, the customer wasn't wearing a mask. And so even though you were, and then use that to cancel. And so wow. now I've, I've learned, like if you text them too early to say you have a service dog, they'll cancel. But now I've learned huh. like when you're within a minute of them pulling up, I'll mm-hmm. say I'm blind with a service dog wearing a white mask. Mm-hmm. And then I, I screenshot it. Yeah. So that mm. if there's a problem later, um, I have that documented. But that part is, is very stressful. Yeah. Um, and then this is sort of funny, not funny, but um, <laughs> sort of just navigating some of the societal barriers and misperceptions people have about blind people. Mm-hmm. It, um, in some cultures, even though it's 2022, they might think that um, like your parents were sinners and that's mm. why you're visually impaired or you did something bad and now you're blind. And um, I've often been in places like the grocery store where someone who's evangelical will want to come up and pray and mm. say, if you accept Jesus right now, you will be healed. And wow. you will see. Yeah. And it's very, um, or, you know, they've come up to me when I'm waiting across the street. Mm. And it's, it's mm. very, at first you're like, are you talking to me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they'll be, they'll be so firm that if you choose today to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you will see like now. Mm. Um, right. And so I, I always tell people, you know, God made me in his image and likeness and he loves me how I am. And he did it for a reason. So if if God felt the need to make me this way, I don't need anybody to attempt to change that. Mm-hmm. But it's um, you just never know what what each day is going to bring. Um, but you have to. I, I try to remind myself people are coming from a place of goodness. Yeah, and, and not to be offended, but it, it it can be very offensive. Well, it's yeah. It sounds like it would be offensive and just sort of plain old annoying at some point. <laughs> totally (laughs) you know just like yeah it's kind of like a it's kind of like if somebody goes up to a pregnant woman and just touches her belly without asking oh right it's like exactly 
an invasion or yeah. even wheelchair. Like if somebody has a, a mobility device, then, then, I mean, that's like an extension of their body, right? So then to touch exactly. it or to, is like an uninvited. It is. And, and people yeah. will, will do like what I call the drive-by pet where I'm like, let's say crossing an intersection and I, they're coming toward me, they'll mm. pet Thor and they'll think she's blind. She won't see it. Mm. But um, mm. I know it because he'll like turn his head and it's a mm. very dangerous. Um, mm. But, and they, they just think, oh, well, she won't even know. And it's, mm. it, it, you know, kids right. these days are really good. It's the adults <laughs> that could, could learn from their kids. Um, huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you're describing a lot of things that, I mean, obviously that I would take for granted, you know, and I, um, even just the thing of, of going out for communion and, and the, the kind of stress that it would cause of like trying to find your spot. I mean, I, I am fully sighted and sometimes I'm stressed to find my pew when I come back. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> exactly. like, it's true. Um, just to have that. And that, and that, that's such a, like you talked about, um, that can be a really alienating thing, you know, and, uh, it just made me think of how many times have I, yeah. And, and I mean, I've done, I'll share this story because it was, um, it was a learning experience for me, but I was, uh, so I'm in mean, my field is music therapy. So I work a lot with children with disabilities and, um, particularly autism. That's kind of where my, my PhD research is, but so anyways, I was giving a presentation on accessibility with kind of a focus for, for, um, autism, uh, but just more, but also in general, so I was giving this presentation for a, a classical music um, organization and there were a number of people in attendance. It was um, kind of uh, uh, interested parties for these sort of concerts that they were trying to put on as well as parents of children with disabilities. And there was one, uh, one man who was blind as well. And in my presentation, I showed one video and I, I didn't have, you know, described video or anything after that. And then after he, he just kind of, you know, raised his hand and was like, I'm so, you know, I'm, I didn't actually know what was the video about. Could you explain it? And it was just like, like, oh gosh, I'm giving electron accessibility. And I forgot to make it accessible to everyone, you know, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, just like that. These are things that, uh, that people don't think about necessarily, but that have a real impact on, on just like, like, as you say, even so many aspects of life, but um, if we're thinking about church, like we want to be one body, we want to be community, but like, mm -hmm. how do we do that? And not just think of um, sort of the average mass attender, but of everyone who is present, each person, each individual. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know right now, um, a lot of us with um, disabilities or chronic medical conditions that impact our immunity, um, we're not able to go back to in-person church yet because right. um, it, it, some parishes, they are, you know, strongly recommending everybody wear masks and the congregations are great about doing that to protect the elderly and, right. you yeah. know, people that aren't vaccinated yet. And then at other places, um, it, we've got people that aren't, um, you know, wearing masks at church and you've got the church at full capacity and it, people just don't feel safe. And so it's, it's hard right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting yeah. too, because in Canada right now, like it's still, their mask mandate is still in full force. And the archbishop here recently sent out, um, sent out a letter saying that, that masks are mandatory at, at parishes right now. There's no exemptions to oh, that. That's nice. 
And so it's, but it, and he got, it's so like he was saying, he was telling me that they, he got flack from basically both sides, right? From people who say, well, you shouldn't even have the churches open, which I'm like, well, I don't know about that. A little, a little much. And then, yeah, yeah. And then people on the other side of, um, you know, who, who are really tired. And I understand that everybody's tired, but it's, that's kind of one of the things that, um, that I've been thinking a lot about in like with COVID particular in particular just has made me think a lot about like what it means to be the body of Christ and what does it mean to actually think about and to love people in the wide variety of needs that exist like what and what that feels like too even for me with um like with fibromyalgia there have been like a lot of times where I've gone to mass and I'm not able to like stand up, sit down, stand up. If it's a really big fatigue day, I just can't do it, you know? Um, and then there was one time when I was there where there was like a couple behind me and the woman was saying to the guy I could hear like, why isn't she standing? Why wouldn't you, why would you just not bother coming to mass if you can't, if you're not going to participate? Uh, oh, wow. Right. But it's those kind of things that you're like, Ooh, we do a lot of judging about why people are doing things you know the motives behind things that we might see and that's so I'm I wonder if that like if you found that that's been part of your experience or even some of the like like those internal things of the heart like what what were some of those things like for you kind of going through this experience you know it's um it's really interesting I have found that um people assume that you know they either think you're 100% fully sighted or you're totally blind, no light perception. Mm. And um, um, about, I'd say 18% of people that are legally blind are totally blind, um, meaning no no light perception at all. And the other, the rest of us, um, we do have limited vision and it might be the ability to see if lights are on or off or to see what direction light is coming from. Or some some folks have um, travel vision that's still usable, or maybe they read with um, magnification and things like that. But so sometimes people will um, think that I'm um, like faking it, mm-hmm. or that I'm a guide dog trainer. Like I don't know how many times I get asked, "Oh, how long have you been training that dog?" And I would get that even with um, Frank, who was looking, you know, more distinguished as the years went by. (laughs) uh, And I was like, are you kidding me? And Mm -hmm. yet I have to explain, you know, I am um, severely visually impaired, although I do have a a little bit of remaining vision. Right. Um, And so, and same thing when I first started to use a a white cane, you know, you use your cane, you get on the bus, you, you know, you fold up your cane and then maybe you're looking at your phone. And what people don't realize is that phone has um, large print on it, or maybe you've got your earbuds in and you're using a screen reader program, mm, but they're so, right. so quick to judge. Mm. Um, like, oh, like, why are you sitting in the disabled seating? Or mm-hmm. um, you can feel the dirty looks when I go to pre-board on an airplane. And, mm. you know, I pre-board <laughs> because it's better for everybody. Like, I can't read the row numbers. So you really don't want to be stuck behind me while I'm like, is this like <laughs> right. 17, you know? Um, right. and, and then with the guy dog, you know, you don't want him um, getting stepped on by other people. Yeah, but right. the, but p- people that look at you and they see a, a, a young professional and they can't imagine 
that mm. like you really are blind mm. and mm. that, that can be really, really hard. Yeah. And even within the blind community, um, it, if you grow up in it, I think it's a little bit different because maybe you're going into camps for the blind over the summer or things like mm. that. But I found it to be very clicky, mm. um, which I just never expected. And a little bit of a de- divide between people that have some usable vision and people that are, are totally blind. And I get that your, your experience will vary, but it's like, Hey, everybody, we're, we're still one group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the people that are afraid of you. Um, and mm-hmm. blindness is the most feared disability, even more than cancer. Really? And so I, I joke, you know, it's not contagious. Don't worry. <laughs> but I think people are so worried about making a, a social error mm-hmm. um, or because they've just never been educated on best practices for interacting with someone who's blind or interacting with a guide dog team that yeah. it's, it's that fear that makes them just kind of freeze. Mm. Um, and so that can be really social, socially isolating. Like let's say you're at mass and it's time, you know, to give each other the sign of peace. And, um, if nobody turns to you and says, peace be with you, it's, it's a really uncomfortable, Mm. awkward feeling. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is, it's, it's challenging me as you speak, you know, it's challenging me to really, um, think about because as you're talking about where people are especially when you're at the last part of like people are afraid that they're going to say something wrong or do something wrong so then they do nothing I'm mm. like ooh, I I'm I I can see myself in that you know yeah. um and forgetting that no matter you know that the other person or somebody has has a some sort of visible disability or a guide dog or whatever it is that they're also human and can be forgiving of my mistakes and that it's like maybe I can just try at least make an effort to connect or whatever it is um so it's I appreciate yeah yeah Yeah, I I always try to um tell people you know when you meet someone whether it's blindness or a disability like cerebral palsy treat everybody normal and treat everybody yeah. as a human because we all are, we just do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah. you know, the same person I was cited, although now I'm a much better version of myself, to be honest, mm-hmm. but um, I'm still that same person. And so I, I just use non-visual techniques these days. So, yeah, I, you right. know, if we can remember, like we, we are all human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's a, maybe I can ask too, like, because even in the emails that we had kind of going back and forth, you had mentioned like the gift or the things that the Lord has done through your experience. And um, so I'm wondering if you might be able to to share a little bit about like what what have some of those areas of, and you have shared a little bit about this, but if there are any other kind of areas of suffering, like what were some of those really challenging like suffering moments uh, not moments, I guess, but yeah. Like if there's anything that sticks out in your head of like, Ooh, that was hard and people might not realize that's hard. And then also what's a gift? Like what are things that people might not think about in terms of how it has been a gift to you in your life or, or the Lord working through you in it? Sure. Um, you know, in the beginning, especially on the navigational front, learning to use a white cane, um, oh, there was a lot of suffering involved <laughs> because you're learning. So you don't know how to do it perfectly yet. Mm, and I remember mm. this was when I was brand new, um, blind and I was out with my mom and, 
um, we cross the street and I get to the other side, but right before you step up and my white cane got stuck in a, a sewer grate oh. and, it, and it was one of those collapsible ones. And so it was stuck and I'm pulling it and I feel like the cord part going toward me, but not the tip. Oh. And my oh, mom's like, hurry up, hurry up. The lights change. And I'm like trying to like pull it out. Um, not my most graceful moment. And I, I get up back onto that curve and I, I just wanted to cry. Um, yeah. Like, how does that happen? And, and um, this was the same visit where my mom was there and we were um, taking Metro to get to a follow-up eye appointment. And we had gone through the, um, the ADA gate. And so they open it up for you. But, um, and the, it, it, the Metro employee was trying to say, um, like, go to your left, go to your left. So I was moving toward the left, but going straight ahead. And then my cane got stuck again in that... Um, that day. And it was mm. so frustrating. And mm. um, I, I was just like, God, like, could you please make this a little bit easier? Like, please. Mm. Um, and, and then I stepped back and you, you just have to take a deep breath. And mm. remind, I reminded myself, like, I'm okay. I'm not hurt. Mm. Um, I'm somewhere safe. My mom's here. You know, I'll get through this. But when I look at how far God has enabled me to come on the, just the mobility front. It's, it's so amazing. Mm. And um, there is a, a quote by St. Teresa that I love where she's having this conversation with Jesus and Jesus tells her that trials are a measure of God's love for you. Mm. And I've tried hard to keep that in mind over the years, uh, but I, I feel like God has really shown me his love through the guide dog handler partnership. Mm. You know, you've got this wonderful animal that's dedicated their life to you in the service. And, you know, if it's pouring rain and you're out in the rain, they're right there with you. Mm. If it's hot, you know, they're still right there with you, but you know, he has saved my life so many times when, mm. you know, there's been, you know, let's say we're doing a, cro- a street crossing and a car comes out of nowhere, he'll back me up. Mm. And mm. to experience that bond is, mm. is such a gift from God. Mm. And the other one is God really slowed me down in a, in a really good way. You know, I was a young professional workaholic. It was like work, 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 work. Mm. I didn't have good um, work-life balance at all. And, you know, through the experience of learning to live as a blind person, I stepped off the, the rat wheel or the treadmill, so to speak, mm-hmm. and was able to slow down and think, okay, what is it I really want to be doing? Mm-hmm. And what type of impact do I want to have on society? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, I was a disability um, rights ally before becoming disabled, but now I'm a huge disability advocate. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to bring about a lot of change um, on the work front to help make things more accessible for the people around me, whether that's digital accessibility or physical accessibility. Mm-hmm. So I, I have been a tremendous change agent and that has felt really good. But also on the outside you know, outside of the professional realm, I've been able to mentor some other young people who, like me, grew up sighted and are now blind. Mm. And to let them know that, you know, you're going to come out on the other side of this, okay. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you will get through it. And I feel like that's been a, a big gift because 
you know, when I first became visually impaired, most of the people who were going through the same thing were much, much older than me. Uh, you know, they were mostly right. um, people that were um, senior citizens, and it was mm -hmm. very hard to find someone that was, you know, a little bit closer to me in age. And so if I'm able to pay that back, um, I, I view that as a tremendous gift. Mm -hmm. And I, God has brought so many wonderful people into my life that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the Xavier Society, every year they hold um, a mass in New York City on St. Lucie's Feast Day. Oh, yeah. And so I was able to go in person for the second time this past year. And I become friends with the priest who um, says the mass there, and he's also blind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, God has brought him into my life, um, many, many other people. And I, I think that's such a gift. I, I never would have met these people if I hadn't become blind myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, what's striking me as you share, and thank you for all of these things, but it's that you have this um, just kind of like a pragmatic trust in the Lord. <laughs> That's really beautiful. It, it sounds like of just like, um, you know, you're describing all these things happen. And then you, you, you had this attitude of, okay, the Lord has allowed this in my life. What am I going to do with it? And just got right back up and have kept going. And I'm sure there were difficult moments. I'm sure there were, you know, moments of there, tears and of, there were. of grief or, you know, um, but I just think it's so beautiful how you, uh, you know, even if you had moments of that, like you have at least, even just now, I'm like, this, you're not someone who sounds like you just let your life be derailed and wallowed in self-pity. You know what I mean? Like it's such so much the <laughs> yeah. opposite of that, of just like, okay, all right, what am I going to do? This is, you know, and I think that's so, that's inspiring to me. Thank you. You know, when I was recovering from the retinal surgery, I had my moments and I would mm -hmm. sit there eating my Haagen-Dazs peanut butter and chocolate ice cream. Yes. <laughs> um, and I was, it was like the highlight of my day. <laughs> and, um, and I would be so mad at God digging into the peanut butter, you know, <laughs> um, and, and then I realized I can either sit on this couch, eat haagen for the rest of my life, get morbidly <laughs> obese and never move again, yeah. or I can get up and learn some of these non-visual techniques, mm -hmm. um, and, and move on with life. So I feel, I feel very grateful that, um, I was able to recognize that those feelings of despair were not from God, you know, they're, mm. you know, from the devil yep. trying to keep me down yeah. and to recognize like, this is how I'm feeling. It's okay that I'm feeling this. I'm going to acknowledge it, but I'm not going to let that determine the outcome. I'm going to mm -hmm. set that aside. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful, you know, a lot of rosaries were said during <laughs> that time. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm just so grateful to have gotten yeah. through it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, um, it reminds me a lot, actually, of in Salvifici Dolores, the the uh, encyclical on suffering that John Paul II wrote, and he talks about how suffering causes the question of why, like, that's what it does, you know, it like brings up this question. And it makes me think too of like Nicole in, in last week's episode, when you were talking at the end of it of like, what advice would I Aaron have for somebody who's you mm. know experiencing chronic illness or something like that I've kind of been thinking about that all week and in listening mm. to you too Mary like you know I think there's something really powerful to be said about God answering that question 
And that often, in my own experience anyways, I found that he doesn't answer the question in that moment, but his answer is something that unfolds over time and it continues to unfold and deepen. And that's been like, that's been my experience, right? It's like, it's in somehow, somehow the, the suffering gets um, like easier over time, even though it's not really changed. And part of it is because like God starts to show how, for me anyways, like how he's working through it or what he's doing in and through me because of it. So I wonder like, how have you found that? You know, I have definitely found that to be very true. And I I feel like on the blindness front, it it took a number of years before I could see, you know, all of the blessings that God brought into my life because of it. And now I'm able to see, okay, I see why that happened. Mm. You know, when, when the asthma and then the steroid-induced diabetes hit, I was like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's the line, no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, my cup over here is full. And yeah, yeah. Not in a good way. But, um, and I've, I've just learned, uh, you know, there's um, a lot about my body that I sometimes wish was different, but I try to focus on all I can do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm not having an asthma flare up, I'm, I'm very healthy and I'm able to hike and do the things I love. Mm-hmm. But it's, mm-hmm. um, it took me a long, long time to get to the why on the blindness front. And so for folks who are going through something now, whether it's chronic illness, disability, or something else, as hard as you can, it's so good to focus on, on your faith and know that you are going to get through it. Mm-hmm. And when you're too tired to do it on your own, you know, to reach out to your community, to ask um, your fellow parishioners to pray for you, mm-hmm. things like that. And that way, it, you know, it helps you remember you're not doing it on your own. You're doing it with God. And you've got a wonderful community here on earth to help you get through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. I, <laughs> Yeah, it's it. that was actually one of the things that I was writing about in... Um, I just finished a master's thesis that was on the theology of the suffering body. And I think it is really true that in in the complementarity that there exists in between people, like that that's shown in men and women, like this complementarity, yeah. it also exists in the body of Christ with everything else. So like those mm. who are sighted and those who are blind, like there's a complementarity there that is meant to work together for a more complete fullness of the whole body of Christ, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. It's, I feel like we could talk for <laughs> forever. It's so great to hear, um, to hear your experience of everything and your wisdom and everything, Mary. So thank you for sharing all of that with us so much. Is there any, any last things you want to say before we turn it over to Godwinks? Um, you know, I, I think that's it, but just, just for folks to remember, you're not alone. You might yeah. feel like you're the only person with the burden you're facing, but you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Amen to that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right. Well, for Godwinks this week, I have one so I can share mine and then, and then I'll turn it over to you, Mary, because you said you have one too. So I'm excited to hear that. Um, so mine is that I've been doing some like craft stuff if I'm especially if I'm having like a little bit of a rough day in terms of fatigue and I'm not able to go places whatever I don't want to do nothing so I've been making like wreaths and things like that with yarn or these whatever I think I've showed people before the little octopus thingies and so um I was thinking about making some spring wreaths and I was like 
oh, I should get some flowers. And my sister was like, oh, I have some flowers from Michael's because Michael's is like, I don't know if you guys have that in the US, but it, we do. Okay, awesome. So Michael's Canada, they have these grab bags that they put out at the end of each season. They're like five bucks a bag. And it's like you get whatever. And like sometimes it's crap. Sometimes it's awesome though. So my sister, I told her, I was like, I'm going to make some of these for you. So I'm going to go get some flowers. And she's like, oh no, no, no look what i have and so i'll show everybody who's if you're watching on the um on youtube then you'll see it otherwise i'll put a picture of it on the thing but this oh, wow. is there's so many that's wow. like that's like a, a bush of flowers that looks like a, a shrub worth yeah. <laughs> so all different types and all different colors of flowers there and that is like one twelfth of the flowers <gasps> that she has. Oh my gosh! Wow. That would be like that's like you could fill a whole I don't know bathroom or a closet full of oh a hundred percent plastic flowers like that. Thing, All right, like, so I'll just show you one of the um one of the things that okay. So this here, this little flower here, it's like a red. I don't even know what kind of flower that would be. Um, it doesn't even say on here it just calls it a spring flower but it's mm -hmm. like this big twig of red flowers this is 11.99 for this one thing wow um so in that i was like when my sister opened up and she showed me all the boxes and she started giving me these flowers i was like okay lord and i find that that's <laughs> in the last little while he's been showing mm -hmm. me like it's like one of those moments where you stop and you're like okay i get it you're providing <laughs> like i understand it's good <laughs> anyway so i was Aww. like laughing all the way home looking at these stupid flowers in my backseat bopping i love that <laughs> yeah, I love so that. yeah so how about you mary what's your god wink so mine is um you know when i had applied for a successor guide dog i had told them which was what I say um, every time I'm open to the best match for me. Hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to give you a color preference. I'm not going to give you a breed or gender preference. Mm -hmm. I'm just open to the best match. And then in my heart, I was like, God, please, 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 please give me a large dog. Please, <laughs> please. <laughs> but, and, and, and may it be a lab, like may it mm -hmm. be a lab. Um, and when they brought me Thor, I could not believe it. He's this magnificently large um, brindle black lab. I mean, he's Aww. huge. He, yeah. Uh, and he's got these legs that are like built for hiking. And when people see uh, him, they're just like, that is a really big dog. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Again, that's like abundance. Like the Lord is not only answering your prayers, but he is answering your prayers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so I cool. I love that. Yeah. I love that's that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Mary. It's been like just amazing to talk to you. And I really, um, I think that the conversation will have given people, especially those who haven't experienced like a disability or kind of a, you know, a, a limitation in any of these ways, will will kind of like next time they're going up for communion, they're going to think about it, about what it would be <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or crossing the street or, yeah. So thank you so much. Really My pleasure. All right, everybody. Well, we look forward to talking with you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. God bless Bye. you. God bless. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.